Good morning, and welcome back to Word, Hearing Their Inspirational. I'm Carolyn, your host. The desire to reach the stars is ambitious. The desire to reach hearts is wise and most possible. Our inspirational story today is called Gotta Keep Paddling. Paddle, Norma, he shouted. I'm paddling harder. It was the toughest day so far. A day of grueling portages over muddy paths and flooded rocks. Twice the weight of my 60-pound Duluth pack had pulled me over backward. I'd weighed it like a turtle on its back for someone to stand me up. Now we had one stretch of white water to navigate, and soon we'd be at our campsite. Or would we? Each attempt failed. We get a good start, paddle like crazy, and then lose momentum as the current swept us back to where we'd begun. Cold rain pelted our faces as we tried yet again. Paddle, he yelled, harder. I can't. One more time. If we don't make it, we'll postage, horstage. Jack had found the right button. I paddled harder. I'd lost my gloves early on. My hands were chapped and cold. Each labored stroke brought increased pain as muscles unaccustomed to that kind of abuse, counteracted. Why not? No one had thought to put backrest on canoe seats. Was my back the first to notice the omission? No time to think about that now. Gotta keep paddling. Forced the paddle through the hostile water. Can't slow down. Plunge the paddle in the water. Make a J-lift it out. Again, don't hit the rocks. One more time. Gotta keep paddling. Keep it up, we paddled with a vengeance in one final push, and then the strokes became less frenzied. The water surrendered. All the pain and exhaustion was forgotten. We did it. My spirit soared. Fifteen months earlier, I had suffered a stroke. Through my physical recovery was nearly complete, I was still shattered emotionally. Strokes don't happen to young people, I thought. So that means I'm old? Finished? Then I lost my job. Any remaining self-esteem had plummeted in the dehumanization ritual of the job search. Being unemployed, recuperating from a stroke, and on the far side of 40 aren't optimal job-seeking conditions. My left side still felt simultaneously numb and tingly. I'd concluded falsely that my speech was noticeably impaired and believed the residual facial weakness more visible than it actually was. So I spoke only when questioned, answered those questions with as few words as possible, and refrained from smiling. Some truths emerged. In a job market skewed in the employer's favor, older women are overlooked first. Not getting older, getting better, is valid, only when it can be communicated, and my emotional baggage had rendered me incapable of delivering the message. I'd found temporary work. But, not, but now it was time to return to the real world. Something had to be done. Armed with outdoor experience in beach walking and bike riding on suburban sidewalks, I enrolled in an outward-bound canoeing course. Paddling would be easy once I learned the technique, I'd reasoned. By the time I'd found out what portage meant, it was too late. They'd cashed my check. On a Sunday morning, we met at a Duluth International Airport and boarded the outward-bound van for the drive north to Eli, Minnesota, site of the outward-bound school base. 
Though late May it was rainy and quite chilly, some chatted, others napped or read. I stared out the window, mesmerized by the rain, and persistence drove off an inner voice. What have you gotten yourself into? We'd gathered on the wet grass at the lakefront, four men, four women, two instructors, both women. Our first order of business was to swim evaluation. No, there was no indoor heated pool. It was taking place right there in the lake. I had read that a basic tenet of Outward Bound is dunk em and dry em. As I quickly learned, they don't limit that practice to fair weather. Fully clothed, I got into a canoe with Jude, my partner. She looked resolute. Delaying the inevitable, inelevable would not be able an option would not be an option. We rocked once each direction, then capsized. Following instructions, we removed our shoes and socks, turned the canoe over, and swam the discreet distance, both with and then without the canoe. Finally, and most difficult, we climbed back in. My last thought before the indescribable shock of the icy water was how easy it is to tip a canoe. My first thought after changing into dry clothing, including polyprothesis, long johns, was that under no circumstances did I ever want to experience anything remotely like that again. Geographically, we represented both coasts, the Midwest and the Southwest. One man was older than mine, 46 years, but a foot taller, 75 pounds heavier, and an experienced outdoorsman. The other man, including a lawyer, a teacher, and an engineer. Among the women was an oil company supervisor, a manager giving up that career to an old dental school, and me. Zip. How could I not feel insecure among all that talent? Then I remembered it was insecurity that had led me here. Rounding out the women was a fellow munchkin. She matched my five foot two inches, 105 pound frame, but was 15 years younger and full of zest I'd lost of late. The instructors were equally impressive and, elude, and exuded that special confidence born of competence. One, a Minnesotan native, considered the Boundary Waters canoe area we would be traveling to be part of her extended backyard. We were in good hands. Boot camp activities occupied the next day. We scaled a 12-foot wall. The truss fall was just what the name implied. I stood on the edge of a rock, held my body rigid, and fell over backward, trusting the others to catch me. Considerably easier said than done. The object to foster team problem solving, relying on one another and confident in the face of perceived danger. Danger? One of the few exercises involved no rain, pain, or heart-stopping fear, or pairing off and naming the things we would do if there was no obstacles. Our partner recorded our words in our journal. Topping my list was traveling in Alaska for six months and becoming a photojournalist for the National Geographic. My recurring theme were writing, travel, and photography. It seemed those pages contained the ghost of someone I'd once known and lost track of. I missed that person and vowed to get back in touch. A major component of Outward Bound is the 24-hour solo, a time of reflection and solitude. I was paddled to my spot after lunch on Thursday. I had a sleeping bag, ground pad, plastic tarp, my journal, and a whistle to blow an emergency. I watched the canoe leave. I was alone. My hand rose instinctively to the whistle, 
I wore around my neck. Softly, I blew it, only once and only to make sure it worked, just in case. A chipmunk perched on the rain pants I draped over a rock. We studied each other. Angry clouds gathered. Using the tarp, fallen branches, and my shoelaces, I constructed my shelter. Large drops were falling before I tied the last knot. The chipmunk was gone. He probably thought it best not to hang out with an amateur. With nothing else to do, I crawled in the sleeping bag and waited for the rain to stop. It didn't. Sporadic all week, it now fell in earnest. I got out my journal but immediately broke the point on the pencil. This solo should have been enriching. The weather had turned it into another endurance contest. I coped by thinking of something else, like those Victorian brides who were told, close your eyes and think of England. Playing games helped, like thinking of song titles starting with each letter of the alphabet, skipping X and Z was allowed. My game, my rules, so went the afternoon. There was no improvement as day turned to night. I woke often with the tarp interest from my face, weighted down by accumulation of the incessant rain. Each time I emptied it, my frustration rose. Ultimately, it turned to anger. Enough, I shouted heavenward. Turn it off. After all, it rained harder. Though I was sure it never would, the long night ended. Upon waking, I stretched, immediately remembering why I was curled into a tight ball. The bottom of my sleeping bag was soaked, and the ground was covered with white slush. The rain had turned to snow. In the white stiffness, I reflected on all that had happened. Throughout the week, both instructors had reminded me that everyone was willing to help, but it was up to me to make my needs known. I found this difficult, if not impossible. When I told my story the first night, I received positive feedback, but later I wondered, what do they think of me now? I've been acutely aware of being unable to carry the heaviest packs or to balance a canoe on my shoulders and walk at the same time. Now it struck me, considering my age and size, maybe I had done everything that was expected of me or more, and maybe having had a stroke had little, if anything, to do with what I could or couldn't do. That out of the way, I could focus on the high points, like the time we stood looking at a varnished canoe paddle hanging decoratively on a wall. They should award that to you in recognition of your effort, Bob the lawyer had said. Tony, an instructor, told me of an exhausted fellow student who had persevered saying, if she can do this, so can I. My eyelids stung as their words danced through my head. I'm not a Pollyanna. If my illness was a blessing, it's one I could well have done without. In my opinion, people who run around chirping about lemonade haven't had to deal with many lemons of their own. The tears that fell freely now were not of self-pity, but of an awakening self sense of self-worth. I kept relatively warm and relatively dry, and I hadn't blown the whistle. A ship leaving the safety of the harbor for the open sea is said to be outward bound. We all create safe harbors for ourselves, and only in leaving them are we truly challenged. My self-doubt may return, but it will never again immobilize me. I'll get a job, and I'll dust off my camera and sharpen some pencils. In those last few days, I'll discover that when the chips are down, I can paddle with the best of them. This is Carolyn, with Word Here and There Inspirational.
Take care of yourself.